Okay, let's begin. I am Lanice Antoine Shelley, and I'll be your host through constructive, healing-based conversations designed to illuminate the adoptee, parents, and the adoption curious. We center the topics around community, mentorship, leadership, and healing, so you get a multi-dimensional view that is ultimately empowering. These are the voices who could not speak when they were young. Okay, before we get into it, I wanted to share with you some new offerings. We've just partnered with Isaac Edder's company called Identity, who provides adoption consulting and short practical guide pamphlets, a practical guide to transracial adoption and a practical guide to black hair care. As a listener, you get 15% off. Just click the link in the show notes where you can find all references and hot topics that are talked about in each episode. And since you're listening, I just wanted to thank those of you who've rated and reviewed this podcast, because every five-star click helps remind these platforms that our work matters and helps me keep going. So those of you who are getting so much out of these conversations and have taken the 30 seconds to write a positive takeaway, I see you and I thank you. Those who haven't yet, now is the time, my love. Let's talk about it on Instagram after you go ahead and click five stars and write a review. I must tell you how terrifying this chapter of podcasting is. I'm definitely locking into my courage right now. I'm still adjusting to the skin of being a podcaster. I listen to copious amounts of podcasts and never would I imagine I would be on the delivering end of it. Oh my God. This all started with the interracial adoptee panel series that has, by the time this finds you, ended. By the way, thank you so much to the USFCH, Lisa, Juliana, my ever-steadfast mother for helping me, and all the eloquent panelists for making the series so impactful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I co-founded the panel series with my biological aunt, Dr. Juliana Deans, The panel created a platform for intercultural adoptees to share their stories and propagate ideas on how we can improve the living experiences of adoptive parents and adoptees. The panel topics were identity, family, relationships, hair, debunking myths, and biological family. Of course, we were only able to nick the surface of these topics in four one-and-a-half-hour conversations. We could tell that people were parched for this outlet and desperate for the education. So my first guest, and I will have to say that this guest still resides in Haiti, so you will hear a bit of a delay, but uh, I am elated to be introducing you to the very first guest of When They Were Young. There is something full circle and poetic about her being here because she was present when I embarked on the most impactful journey of my life. My adoption. This woman is the president and CEO of U.S. Foundation for the Children of Haiti, the organization helping the orphanage I came from, once called Haiti Home for Children and later was known as Rainbow of Love Nursery. After 39 years, they no longer conduct adoptions, and I'm anxious to know why. 
Here is President, CEO, adoptive mother, leader, nurse, woman of faith, and visionary, Gladys Thomas. Okay. Yeah. I, I changed devices, so I'm glad. Okay. How are you? I'm good. Wow, you are beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's been so long. How long has it been uh, since like 07, I think? Oh, since the last time you were here, uh, which was, yeah. was it, was that it 07? I think so. It was either 07 or 09. It's all a blur. Yeah. Sometime before the, the hurricane. That's, that's a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. It just, um, but just watching your, watching all of your growing up and getting into this world with fame. So congratulations on all that you do and I am doing. Okay. <laughs> Keep it up. You are thank such you. a good example. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I've been fortunate to have a really strong uh, support system. So that helps yes. a great deal, as you know. Uh, I so appreciate you watching the panel what was that like watching the panel? Oh, it was interesting to see all of the reactions to, mm-hmm. you know, to questions that sometimes we don't think of. And then to bring it up at the, you know, at this time of your life, you know, the, the adoptee's life, you know, they are all adults, young adults that have gone through the whole upbringing of being an adopted child and seeing reactions. It's almost like, wow, you know, if uh, as an adoptive parent, there is so much to learn when you thought you had done everything that you thought was good, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you said, wow, you know, did I, I, might, I fell there or I didn't do as, I didn't, I didn't go as far as I should have in the, at this level. And then it's coming out but in a, in a nice way, which was, you know, I think I really love the atmosphere of okay. the panels. Uh, yeah. And I think it, it just, it's conducive to having the parents coming in and even like some parents probably come and say, can I make up to this? You know, can I help <laughs> something just, just to try to fix it? And I, I thought it was all good all along. And, you know, so, yeah. but um, I, but it, it, and the reason that they, they, they would probably feel, you know, instead of feeling, you know, guilty or anything like that, instead of that, it's, uh, it's like, oh, wow, if I could make it up to my child, you know, now that I know I would, yeah. you know, but at the same time, um, I think maybe the way, again, the way it is presented, a lot of uh, the, the, the adoptive parents will also feel forgiven, you know, because mm-hmm. the child has gained maturity and realized that they were just trying to make me feel comfortable. You know, they were just trying to protect me, you know, mm-hmm. and may have gone overboard. Absolutely. Know, in so many ways, you know, it's almost like taking you to the hairdresser and doesn't know how much it hurts. 
<laughs> well, we don't want parents to feel like we're giving them a guilt trip. It isn't about that. Exactly. It's about yes. having tools because if they knew better, they would have done better. We acknowledge that, right? And I do think that uh, my mom did the best she could with her conditioning, with the resources she had. And, mm-hmm. and I love her, you know, unconditionally. But I, I, for those adoptees being brought up now, it's good to have these tools now that those tools are available. Definitely. And I think, I think a lot of people hooked onto the panels, which was interesting to see how many people yeah. just logged on, uh, you know, onto it. And it was a wow, wow. And I was very impressed. You know, some of the things I didn't know as mm. a facilitator to adoption. Okay. Um, what were those things? I, well, I mean, it's even like um, families having had enough uh, pre-adoptive, uh, you know, counsel, mm-hmm. advice, um, and even how to go about it. And I realized that, you know, we could probably have organized things right in Haiti because it wouldn't, it would not have been very difficult to say, you know, this is us and this yeah. is the child, you know, now how much of this can you capture and carry on with you, you know, throughout her life or his life, you see? So, and I just like, sometimes we are so much into, um, the politics of things, you know, paperwork and this kind of thing that we forget, not that we forget, we belittle a bit part of the emotional, you know, uh, uh, side of it. In, in a way, it also kind of have to do with children that they, are, they, they hear about, you know, a foreign country that is different from where they are. And they hear it's all beautiful. So the children did not give us a chance. You know, we never had a child to, to say, I'm not going, you yeah. know, and I don't want, I don't want to go, which, which would have probably gotten to us to say, wow, you know, there's something, but it's always been that we want to go, meaning that this is, this is really the curiosity of the child much more than the knowledge of what it is going to be, the, the, you know, how different it's going mm-hmm. to be to, you know, when they get there. And I think a lot of that still affects some of the children, you know, that, oh my goodness, because they got there and finally they know they also, one good thing is that they figured this is home. When they get, you know, they travel and they are adopted into their families, they realize this is home. And I think that's probably where there is a very tough emotional period of their life when they it, it's reality shock. Wow. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's to anybody. Well, I think to speak on the, the curiosity of the child, I feel that it's hard to encapsulate what the experience will be. And children won't really understand, even if you gave them a postcard of the exact home and the exact neighborhood, they're not going to completely understand what they're getting themselves into. So it's, it's hard to take the word of a child when it comes to these sort of like monumental things. Uh, but you're right. It is the curiosity of the child that makes adoptive mm-hmm. agencies believe that it's 
okay or will be okay. But I think uh, what I'm curious about now is just the curiosity of the adoptive parents and how they can really educate themselves about this child that they're bringing into their communities. And hopefully they can bring them into a community that's, that's loving, a community that's tolerant and able to support the differences of this child. Because a lot of adoptees are put into these situations that are uh, not ideal because they're the only one. And growing up, and I'm hearing these stories time and time again about adoptees feeling quite othered and quite uh, just different in a very bad way when it comes to being the only one in their families or being the only one in their schools or communities and not having someone that looks like them. But I I was curious, how much do you know of the podcast that I'm starting? Actually, not much. And <laughs> I am glad to be, you know, one of your invitees. Thank because, you. And I'm very honored. I'm very honored. Thank you so much. And I think, um, I, 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 you know, so since I'm the first one, I really would like to really be watching more and more of it so that I can see where you are, you know, how much you are really going to bring out for that will be useful. And I'm sure you are, it's going to be useful, first of all, to you, mm-hmm. because this is an expression of yourself, okay, mm-hmm. as an adoptee, yes. which I think a lot of people are going to appreciate. Okay, and a lot of adoptees going to appreciate. I don't know how many. I don't know how many people you're going to drag after you, my dear. But <laughs> it's going. I think that's going to happen. Mm. What I'm hoping, actually, I, as I said, I will be watching. You know, as much as I am able to. What I think I'm hoping is that parents, adoptive parents, you know, prospective parents, they can also kind of really dig deep inside themselves to really see how ready they are for this change in their lives, no matter what, you know, this is an, it can be exciting. This is an exciting change, but I remember always telling parents, you know, when like in documents, you know, some documents I would get, and then uh, they would think that they are just doing such a great job for adopting this poor child. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually putting these dossiers on the side, okay? Because yeah. it's, it's yeah. usually, it's, uh, you're not doing anybody any favors, you know? I this love that you said that. Me. I love well, that you said this that. This is such, it is reality. Mm-hmm. So that we know, and that's what usually would give me the assurance that this is where this child is going, is going to someone who has just been longing for this child. We never kind of match people because of the color of your skin or where you come from. We we never (laughs) had to do things like that. Meaning that if it was, if it was white, black, blue, yellow, red, it does not matter. And (laughs) this is the does not matter part that every parent needs to get to that level where this child is, wow, this is as close as it could be if I had given birth to him. Yes. You see? So this is, what, this is what is going to really make maybe a lot of adoptive parents just kind of 
we test themselves and bring out to their child even more love, more encouragement. Just having that family matter. It's going to be really, it's the fa- this family matters. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, our family is different colors, different origin, different, different race. So I think anybody could. I mean, I, I personally, I spent time in the States. Mm-hmm. And I think what I, that's why I realized the difference between what maybe a lot of the adoptees get growing up in, within their families, white or black, but within their families, and not necessarily being seen as um, African-American. No, I remember my time I don't in the consider, States. I don't consider myself African-American. I consider myself that Haitian. American because one, my features are way more um, prominent than an average African-American. And people always ask me, where are you from? Where are you from? But also I take pride in being Haitian. I believe a lot of adoptees want to feel that pride and feel that uh, the specialness of being uh, from the Caribbean I think that's important. And I've definitely spent time reclaiming that pride for myself. But I think, uh, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Oh, no problem. <laughs> um, I did do some research on you, Gladys, which I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. Uh, so you're from Haiti, of course, but where were you born? And you have 11 siblings. Are any of those siblings like you in their humanitarian work? Hey, I want to share with you something that has changed my life. It's more like someone, my therapist. Why is she so important? Well, because I want to win in this life. I want to break through the carousel of stories I've compiled that hold me back that keep me from expanding into my full potentiality. Stories of unworthiness, not enoughness, and even stories of questioning why I am here. I also want to stop dumping my unsorted feelings on the people around me and reacting with the same behavioral patterns that keep me stuck. Conversations with my therapist have made me more confident, clearer in my intention, and more centered in my spirit. That is why I am elated that we are sponsored by BetterHelp, where you can, from wherever you happen to be right now, match with a therapist tailored to your exact needs. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. Someone who you can text at any time and schedule online for either a chat, Zoom, or phone call. And if it turns out that your therapist isn't the right fit, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. Visit the link in the show notes, betterhelp.com, when they were young, to get 10% off the first month. You need to click the link in the show notes in order to get the 10% discount. I want to see you win, beloved. Let's do it together. Visit the link, betterhelp.com, when they were young. Um, well, I was born in Saint Michel. Where are you? Oh, I think. Oh. 
It's We're a twins. very popular, it's a very popular little town. You know, it's got some good people there, you know? Okay. Is there a hospital um, there? I did, was I born in a hospital? In like, most likely not. Okay. That's what I figured. Okay. okay. I wasn't, I wasn't born in a hospital either. Mm. Okay. But you know, it's, I think it's the way we were brought up. You see, um, we were, my, my, my dad was a minister, you know, and my mom was a seamstress and working in the church and always, all the time helping people. We were all, we, we, 11 children. We were never all 11 in the house together. You know, I remember my oldest brothers and sisters, they were always gone because there were no colleges yeah, no high school in this in this in the town, you know. So they had to go to the big city to go to high school. So they were always gone and coming back for vacation. But our, our household was never just eleven people. It was more like twenty five. Oh my god! You know. So and and everybody everybody got to eat. You know, even if it was late at night. And there was always somebody to help in school or somebody to help to go to the doctors. There was always something. And I know that my parents must, you know, instill a lot of that in me. But sometimes you are born with some genes that God just put into you. And I think <laughs> I benefited from those genes. And those, and I call them really, those are, those are the blessings of being able to touch somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know. And I'm not, I'm not just you know, looking at myself as anything but a servant, you know, or somebody who is just always, you know, ready to help others, which is a blessing to me because I've seen a lot of good things. And, uh, you know, uh, because of that, I have look at you and I just, this is, these are the things that just warms my heart when I like, you know, I'm blessed. And so, uh, so, you know, as I, as I see this, but I do have, I mean, my, 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 my siblings, I have other brothers and sisters. They all have that kind of a heart, not so much as uh, as daring as I am. Okay, mm-hmm. um, they probably some of the things that I do. They they do ask questions. What makes you do that? Weren't you scared? And I'm <laughs> not. I don't. I'm not scared of of just launching anything because I, you know, mm-hmm. as long as I believe it's good, and I do believe that when you're doing something good and you are really trusting God that he is the one leading you, if the thing doesn't work out, it was a lesson. If it works out, it's another blessing to a lot of people. So, and if it, if it doesn't work out another door opens, it's just a better door than the last one. So it's really, how do you, how you see things? That's how you do it. So I'm a bit more daring and it is because of my faith. Okay, so because I believe everything works together for good when you are trusting God in what you are doing. Okay, so myself is like, there's nothing I'm going to do that Gladys has just sat down and said, Gladys is going to do that. No, 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 no. Okay, I will pray, I will test, I will question, I will take risk. And then I figured whatever the outcome has nothing to do with me. Okay. Wow. You see, the outcome has nothing to do with me. And it's, I have to be ready to accept it. And I have to be ready to take responsibilities. That's powerful. And then, well, and that's what got me to where I am. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I do but, it every day until now. <laughs> how did you? What made you become a nurse initially? Well, I mean, it's again, uh, you know, Haiti being a, a poor country, you know, and I grew up helping people. I grew up helping little children. I was eight years old and I was mother to many, many children at, at my age. You know, I learned how to sew. I became a seamstress. So that was a very good thing. Um, bending little kids, bringing them home for a meal. That was easy. You know, even though we didn't have much, but there was always one more spoonful mm-hmm. for somebody else. Um, I didn't really have nursing in mind when I, because I was, you know, blessed with a good sponsor. Really, really that gave me an, uh, a good experience of feeling adopted because my time in the States was with this woman who did not have any children. And she really just like adopted me when I came mm-hmm. to the States and I finished high school in the States because she was, she was visiting in Haiti and just like any, any little child, I wanted to go to the United States. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she said, Oh, well, you know, you can come with me. Things were easy then. And I wanted to study. And so since I, I, I was not done with high school yet. So I finished, she, she helped me to come to the States as a student, but living with her and, she really took care of me as her loving daughter, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so having my family in Haiti, having her in the States, I was just beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. And the more I was communicating with my family in Haiti and seeing the sadness, you know, because uh, now that I've come to the States, I'm 17 years old. I see the difference. I know the difference where he, you know, in the States, you get to see so much. And I came from Haiti where there was so little, you know, I would open the refrigerator and I just cried, wishing I could just take all that food and take it to Haiti so I could give it to my family, Mm. you know? So it was easy to really say, what would I do? You know? Yeah, I could be a social worker, but I probably wouldn't have anything to give, you know? Um, Then if I'm a nurse, I have that knowledge of touching someone or, of really doing something or, or you know, having, there, there would be an act that I can do to make someone feel better instead of just talking, you mm-hmm. know? So I, I, when I was looking, I mean, I suffer from that. And becoming a nurse was really inviting to me to say, you know, could you imagine? Because my goal was always to return to Haiti. I'm going to the States. I'm going to get an education. I'm going back home. That was my desire from the, before I left. So going back, you know, going back, I, I didn't want to go back and say I wasted my time. So becoming a nurse was a beautiful experience. I didn't know what I was getting into. I wow. just know that I could, it could be of help to somebody else. So whatever I would have to suffer to become a nurse, I was ready for it. Okay. Because I know you stumbled upon, well, maybe not stumbled upon, but when you took over the orphanage in 1981, you were there just to be a nurse. And then how did you transition to being the facilitator? Well, I was, I was in the, first of all, before I even got into the orphanage, I was in a, in a center for, for uh, um, 
single mothers, you know, with children in need. And these kids, their needs were very, you know, health needs. So I was the nurse there, uh, volunteering at that, you know, center for women and called Christian Women, women in Action. So that's from there that I was taking care of kids that I got called into the orphanage. But that's, you know, that's at that point, I realized that I really had more in me, you know, for having an administrative mind, a disciplined mind, uh, a business mind. You know, I, I, I found so much about myself that I didn't know because I just, it, it was just automatic. It wasn't something that I was thinking of how to do. I am a convincing person. I can, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I didn't know until things were starting, doors were opening up to me from my just nicely imposing, mm. you know? Yeah, and doors yeah. Open. And the I power thought, of persuasion. Okay, this is, if that's a gift that I have, and it can, you know, I can use it to help all these kids that are in need. So I would use it. So I can, I would just go and said, you know, this, this is not my job. It's as, your jo- as much yours as, as it is mine. So are you going to let the children die when I can't do it all by myself and I'm coming to you and you are a chosen person as well, just as I am chosen? Well, these people would say, wow, you know, I can help as well. But I really believed both in myself and in them that they would. And if they didn't, that's okay. They were not, it wasn't meant to be. But I'll find someone who will come along and help until we really could help, you know, multiply the number of people to help children. The reality of it, there's no way I could have done it by myself. You know, but I, I was not discouraged, never. Uh, I was I was discouraged, you know, for any reason. So I did everything that I could, whether I was, I tore up my sheets, my clothes, you know, but that yeah. was, I knew that was temporary. I know it was temporary, but if I don't start doing something like this, the kids are naked, you see? So it's just doing what you have to do. And then others, God is going to send people your way. Well, I remember reading the story of you burning the mattresses because they were infested in the beginning. And what a testament Mm -hmm. of faith that was, because you didn't know if you could get new mattresses. But lo and behold, somebody called and offered to help. And so those kinds of miraculous things, it seems like your story is just littered with. Um, that's, that's exactly the way it goes. That's, that, that's, that's my life. I think that was a beginning. God said, take this and drag this story through your life. Because if I, if I helped you then, I will help you now. And I am stuck to this 27 years ago or more. Now that concludes the first half of my two-part interview with the President and CEO of U.S. Foundation for the Children of Haiti, Gladys Thomas. Join me again next week where Gladys speaks about human trafficking and gives advice on setting boundaries with biological families. 
go ahead and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. A question that I am asking all of my guests and will charge you with is, where in your life can you apply courage? Thanks for listening. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. (laughs) This helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.